You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Bidding silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman, and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and popular, they are clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel, the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen? Amen. I said, Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we exalt you this morning, and we say, It is because of you that we live. It's because of you that our sins are forgiven. It's because of you that we have a relationship, a personal connection with the Father. We confess this morning that we are not objects of chance. We did not arise out of dust spontaneously. We did not arise out of two molecules colliding with each other for no reason. We were created. We were made by God. We know that our real being came out of him. We know that our flesh he made by his power. We know. We know that we have a creator. And we know that he has called us his children. And we know that the Holy Spirit of God is with us every day. Father, we worship you this morning. We lift our hands in surrender to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you too. He says, kiss the son, lest he be angry. We are in the son. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ. And this morning, because we believe that God has heard us, He has granted us insight. He has granted us understanding. And because we believe that he has a special word for each person that has gathered here this morning, for that reason we declare as follows. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. 
word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. All right, this morning, a special word for you. It's coming to you. And it's coming loaded with power. And that power is going to go to the area of your need. It will explode in Jesus' name. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Okay. Once again, good morning. What are we doing this morning? We're studying the word of God, amen? If we're set, let's open our Bible to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Let's commence from there today. Now, um, we started a new series uh, last time. This is second. We're talking about um, the principle. I can't remember the exact title we gave the series anyway. We were talking about divine abundance, walking in divine abundance. Uh, Let me just make it clear. We're not talking about prosperity the way the world looks at it. We're not talking, or I am not talking about prosperity the way many preachers talk about it. We're not defining whether we have prospered or not by how many houses we have built whether we like it or not, Christianity is a spiritual thing. It's, it's spiritual. Amen? amen? Say amen to that. Amen. And Jesus said clearly, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. God never measures Christian wealth by the amount of things you can quantify physically. He never does that. You cannot outwardly. In fact, some of the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ that he didn't use to, and he does not judge, all right? And we are supposed to be like him with the sin of our eyes. That is what things appear like naturally. It's not what we judge by. We don't know who's poor by the kind of car the fellow drives or doesn't drive, by the amount of money the person carries around or doesn't, the balance in the bank account. It means nothing if you're a Christian. You should never feel superior to anybody because you're, you have a total net worth of maybe 500 million U.S. dollars, or let's count it in Nigeria's Naira, of maybe a few billions of Naira. And you should never feel inferior to anybody if you don't have anything like that. It's not just what you, how do I say now? It's not just what you think about yourself. All right? Okay, that's the next point. Is how you also assess somebody else. Do you get my point? One day I was talking with my wife. I said, just thinking about it. If you see a man who has, maybe, I can't remember exactly how I said, but this is the kind of point I was making. Maybe in Enugu he has about um, five beautiful houses. He has a few in Abuja, a few in Lagos, and one or two somewhere else. He has a bank balance as fat, robust, as a big company. I said, in 10 years' time, I said, Annette, of course, she knew me, she's my wife, she knows everything we don't have, or we have, you know, like that. I said, compare that individual to me as a person, of course, us as a couple. I said, who's sure of where he will live in 10 years' time? <laughs> but my wife has, you know, for a moment, like, what kind of question is that? And the answer is, is clear. You know who's sure? It's me. What? You're bragging? Yes, you are supposed to brag. I hope you get my point. Is bragging right? No, answer. Some people are afraid to answer. What is the issue? Yes, yeah, it's what you brag 
on. That's the issue. If you brag on your planning and ability, God will so frustrate you. He will. Well, you know, God is very kind to me, all right? I want to say kind. What I mean is that I have seen him many times in my life. From the time I was small. Now, the, one of the earliest I can remember, I was like 10 years when it came against my self-confidence. Can you imagine? I'm remembering it more than 40 years later. To tell you how striking it was. What I'm telling you, I was not up to 11 years of age. I am certain of what I'm telling you age-wise. I was something between 9 and 10 when I made a boost to a friend of mine. And the Lord came nicely against it and frustrated it in such a manner that I remember it 40-something years later. Never forgotten it. Told you I made a boost to a friend of mine. These are trivial things. That first one was on pen, you know, writing pen, writing material. So the one I'm telling you about, I just want to start bothering, um, boring you with stories. But it was on writing material. At the age of less than 10, I remember it. As a core member, so was years later. Now I was over 20. Okay? <laughs> I made a boost to a friend of mine on table tennis. And the Lord disgraced me. The guy didn't know how to play at all. You know, some people that can't play, that almost, it's almost as if they have to drop the ball like this and kick it into the air. And I've been playing table tennis in secondary school. I'm not fantastic. I've gone very rusty now, of course. Of course. Then I was also a bit rusty, but I was far better than him. And I've been playing. I've been warming up for some time. Then I made a mistake. I was, we're just talking about ourselves in the bar, I, I served with the Nigeria Army. So I was in the barracks. So in the officer's mess. We we're playing. So we're just talking about those who could play, those who could play, and stuff like that. So I just said something like, he can never beat me. And I added, it's not a prayer matter. There are statements you don't make if, you are, if God loves you. So the guy said, okay, let us play. And he beat me well. And we never talked about it. We were all, he was a Christian. So he got, he, I got the point. He knew what the Lord was doing. He humbled me. I felt two angels say, today, as I won't hit the bat like this, one will hold the hand. Stop there. Are you, what are you hitting? Boom, I hit it to the net. I hit it out. I was watching myself being humiliated on ordinary ping pong table tennis. I just gave me those small mundane things to know how God has been good to me. He goes after my self-confidence and kills it. So I've learned over the years to boast only in the Lord. I don't, oh, I've been driving for a very long time. I've learned to drive very early in life for certain reasons. All right? My dad did that one. Taught us to my brother and I to drive very, very early in life. I was driving long distance by the time I was 13. I'm not joking. Yeah. But you know what? I will not even brag against Akinlu. That I'm a better driver than him. If you say we are racing to get to Alaba clicking, if you want to enter my car, I feel safer in your in my in fastest car. I'll say, hey, it's God that's keeping us. That's what I'm going to tell you. I have learned if I say, ah, this one went, I, I was driving before this one was born. If I say that, God says, no problem, enter. Nobody will be injured, though, but this car will sleep on the road. You'll just be going with your skill. You will just enter one pothole that two angels have put sharp not nails cutting iron at the bottom boom 
One tire will go down. And you bring out the spare tire to work. You know that one. And one angel has overinflated one segment of it. I take the first one here, boom, your car will start spinning. You dump all of it inside the, the ditch. So everybody come out. I hope you're all safe. Come out. That motor. Meanwhile, the boy who said could not drive will be going gently. Remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? We drive past you. And the, you know the Lord can do toying. No, they call toying. Let's educate the Americans on what toying is. Toying is the putting out of two fingers to draw down the lower lids to mock the person you have just overcome. <laughs> There's a word for it in the Bible. It's called triumphing. Triumphing over them. That's, mm. That's what the Lord will do. So when I say God has been good to me, that's what I mean. I don't mean that he has given me money. That's not the point. But he has given me understanding that I should never boast in anything but in him. Bear that in mind. So, that day, back to what I was telling you. I told my wife, I think I'm sure of where I will live in 10 years than the multi-millionaire counting in U.S. dollars than the billionaire man counting in Naira. I said, I'm sure of where I will live in 10 years. Where's the house? I don't know. But one thing I know is that my God is good and faithful. And he gave a promise. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. That's what I'm holding on to. Many years ago, one of the richest Nigerians that ever lived, the name of M.K. Wabiola, the acclaimed winner of the June 12, 1993, Three elections, still, you know, ranked the freest and fairest election that Nigeria has ever had. Now, for your information, again, a smaller side, that ranking hmm, is the reason why one of the reasons why God did not let election stand. But people think you have sense. You can freely and fairly elect somebody for me. Good, finish it, and God cancelled it. It's not Babangida that did; it's the Lord. Anyway, the man was said to have made a statement, which I believe because one day I quoted it for somebody, a colleague of mine, when I was in Lagos, at Lagos University Teaching Hospital then. I said, I, I heard he said, the man said, he didn't hear. I heard it directly. You know, like it was reported. He said, he said I was listening to that program being aired on radio when he made that statement. That was when I realized that it must have been, I mean, it was true, that it must have been true because I heard it before. And I was quoting for somebody who said, look, I heard it myself. What was it that he said? He was a very, of course, he was renowned for his charity works and all of that. So one day he was being interviewed, and the host prayed for him. No, I think somebody called him, or the host, somebody prayed for him because of the good works that he was doing. That this, this money will never finish. And he used a Yoruba way of saying the prayer. That may the spirits that waste not enter into your wealth. That's the best way to put it, all right? Okay, if you speak Yoruba, they call it Agbano, all right? Basically, it means this thing that snatches your money and wastes it. That's what it means. So it's, it's, it's like, of course, the spirit. And it's the reason why many people are poor. That's what we believe, okay? So the person prayed for him that may it not happen to you and interrupted the prayer, that the prayer is not necessary. That the amount of money he has, let that spirit come. It will eat, it will be tired, it will run away with frustration. Did you hear that? 
Yeah, he said, let the spirit come. That the spirit will be tired, to be frustrated, it will run away. Hey, I have learned, now can I just advise you, never reject a blessing, no matter how trivial. Don't. Especially when you, you, you are rejecting because it's not necessary, we have made it. If somebody prays for you, say, you are traveling, you will get to Enugu safely. Don't say, no need, we have reached. Don't say that. Maybe you left on nature. At that time, you are just like one kilometer away from night, what do you call it, the new market bridge to enter into town. That person, don't worry, don't worry, we have already reached. You know that we say, say in Nigeria, we don't reach. We have almost arrived. Don't tell the person, say amen first. Because if you brag, see that bridge, you will never climb it. As you are going like this, you want to take a turn. You open your eyes later. You are in hospital. They say, what happened? What, what was wrong with you? You say, wrong with who? Why? Where am I? We had to cut your car into two to get you out. You're like, what? My car? That I saved for two years to buy? Ah. You say, you are talking of car. At least you are alive. Oh, only two legs broken. Praise God. Why? Because you opened your mouth and said, that prayer is not necessary. Don't say that. The man said it. And when I heard it, by that time I had learned some things. I felt sorry for him. I felt sorry. I said, why will a man say this? I said, doesn't understand how life is. And of course, do you know that money was not the major problem he had? When he won the election and Babangida, the then head of state, annulled it with the um, Armed Forces Ruling Council. And finally, Babangida stepped aside. And as soon as he can stay there for some months, then he was pushed aside. The first guy stepped aside. This one was pushed aside. And then General Sani Abacha took office. I still remember I read in the news, one man, Godwin Dabo, that's his name, one of the prominent Nigerian you know, politicians then. The man said he went to Abacha, he knew people, and begged him, release this man, let him go home. He said Abacha told him that I can't, he's too rich. That's what, that's what Abacha said to Godwin Dabo. I read in the newspaper, the man was being interviewed. Abacha said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. That he has too much wealth, he would destabilize my government. So his wealth was now the reason he was kept in detention for all the years that Abacha ruled until Abacha suddenly died and he died shortly after. Because I remember what I said then. I said, you don't understand the way money is. If, if God would not take your money from you, he would take you from your money. Of course, I learned that from the scriptures. David prayed that let the counsel of Haithophel be turned to what? Foolishness. Did he turn the counsel of foolishness? He could not. You know why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But did he answer the prayer of David? Yes. Ahitophel gave the sound counsel. Absalom rejected it. God said, don't worry, I've answered your prayer. I didn't have to make Ahitophel foolish. But I made it appear like foolishness. When Hushai spoke, Absalom said, the counsel of Ahitophel is not good. The counsel of Hushai is better. Ahitophel looked at it. People say it was pride. He went and commented, he wasn't pride. He was so wise. He was so wise, he knew that if they did not do what he said, the rebellion was over. 
And when David will come, hey, so the guy said, let me just die in peace. He went home. That's how wise he was. The point I'm making is the fact that even though God did not separate the man from his wisdom, in the ears of Absalom, it made the wisdom sound like foolishness. Don't brag on anything in this life. The man, that day when I heard it, I felt sorry for him. And just like I feared it would happen, it did. So when I say God has been good to me, that's what I mean. He has taught me, don't brag in yourself. Don't brag in your genes. Don't brag in your family, you know, heritage. There are people listening to me that God said, go and take that your American passport. Go and return it. I don't have a problem with American passport, so that's what God is saying. But I don't want it in your hands. It's giving you the kind of confidence that's not letting me bless you. It's your way out. It's your plan B. See, let me tell you something. Plan Bs are bad for people who want God to bless them. If you have a safety valve somewhere, a second way of escape, you can never, ever enter into God's fullness. Not because you don't want to, but because you just can't. But because you just can't. Once you have it, once it's inside your mind, you will never have the depth of commitment of faith that will make God release the fullness to you. It's not possible. Please, I'm not saying two passports are bad. I hope you're getting my point. I'm just saying for some people, for some people, God said, look, you can't take your eyes away from me. I know you. You don't know yourself. Me, I know you. He said, no, it doesn't matter. You know me. I just kept it. I don't do anything with you. God said, I know you. I know you. Once your wife delivers, you file for them. American citizen born abroad. For some people, God said, no, that's what I'm waiting for. It's not the strange people do it. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I don't like when people just take... You know, a small portion of that. Pastor Pang said, you shouldn't have dual citizenship, we kill you. Did I say so? (laughs) I did not say so. I'm just saying that God doesn't want you to have anything else you rely on. There are people who have it, for them it's nothing. They really don't rely on it. I hope you're getting my point. But there are people, there are persons that God says, you, forget it. I can't let you have it. Why? I don't want you to have confidence in any other thing but what I am to you. When Jesus will say, sell all you have, there are people that have to do that again today. It's not as if God doesn't want Christians to ever have money or have a bank account. That's not so. Because if you read all over scripture, in fact, we've been reading Psalm 144. God said, I will bless you so much, your bank will be full, to be overloaded with produce. Yes, he blesses like that. But when he looks at some people's hearts, that this place is your safe, is your stronghold. What's that? It's your fortress. It's a fortress in your heart where you plan to hide in the time of trouble. A friend of mine told me something once. I've told the story a number of times here. He said, Banky, I was thinking of where to keep money because God blessed him with quite an amount of it. So I thought of Naira. Because Naira was out of the point. He loses value against the international currencies, the main ones. So I thought about 
dollars. Something was wrong with dollars that time. So he thought about euro. I don't know what was the issue. He said, British pound may be better than all of them. So I was looking at him as he was telling me. I was looking at him like, what? He was confessing his sin. He said, do you know what I realized? I was sweating. He said, Banky, I was sweating. I, all I could do was laugh. I had a very good laugh. I had a very good laugh. <laughs> I, I didn't know who did, you know, like, the way I live and relate to people. I said, what? What were you trying to do? He said that he just got fear came upon him. He said he was sweating. When he realized that there's no way he can hide money. And like, so you needed somebody to tell you that. See, in this life, eh, there's no way you can hide money for your children. I hope you know it doesn't exist. I know another thing, they don't need it. They don't need it. They actually don't. The people that inherited in the Bible that you and I know about, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right? If you look at Jacob, what he got was a blessing. It was not physical things that were being handed down. Even if we check Isaac's life, you see that he still needed the blessing to survive. It wasn't what Abraham gave him. Abraham gave Isaac stuff. But Jacob got nothing before he became wealthy. Isaac was said alive when Jacob returned. The, you know, the Bible's narrative can be interesting. You have to read carefully. It didn't talk about two of them relating much. The point I want to make is that by the time he returned home, he was already very, very wealthy. He was very well-to-do. He was well-to-do. He was so well-to-do that he could try and calm Esau down with plenty. By the time he was leaving, he was leaving, Laban was poor compared with Isaac, with um, Jacob. By the time he was leaving Laban to go back to his land of inheritance, my God, he had become a great company, confessed himself, all within a short while. Or just for the last few years that he began to gather stuff. The first 14 years he was working to pay for his wives. I hope you're getting my point. What blessed him is a, it's a Okay, the blessing. <laughs> what did I call it? Yes. That was what he valued so highly that he, want, he went through hoops to get it. Please, again, please don't misjudge Jacob too much. Was he perfect? No. He wasn't. The way he went about getting inheritance from Esau, was that ideal? No. Did God recognize the transaction? Yes. What was the main problem? The main problem was not the negotiation. The main problem was the value. Do you get my point? The main problem was the value that one man placed on it that the other man did, the other man did not. To Jacob, this is the life. Without this, I'm nothing. To Esau, it's a burden of being the first son. So God called my father. How is that my problem? If a man gets up early and works hard, he can make anything in this life. For that reason, God called him a profane or godless man because of self-confidence. Jacob was not the hard-working type. He was not the strong one. He was not the one that, you know, he could make it on his own. But he was one that understood that, Omo, if God be with you, all these strong men will work for you. 
He was one that understood that if God is with you, the climate will change in your favor. The weather will check your schedule before it releases rain. You know, it wants to rain. The, the angel of weather, the spirit of weather will go and say, please go and ask him whether he's going out. So you just be telling your wife in the house, ah, I should leave around 7 this morning. So the wife just asked, so when are you going to come back? I won't spend too long. She'll be back around 9.30. So they just say, hey, hold the ring till 10. He said, but there's this guy down the road. He has, pla- he has planned his wedding outdoors from 11. He said, that's his problem. Is it my problem? <laughs> the angels are discussing. He said, uh-huh. You're not running. Waiting concern me inside. So the angels will be looking at themselves. And they will scatter, you know, a whole event that they've put big canopies and because they said today is a day of strong wind. Then people are like, oh, I will pay the rainmaker. <laughs> we think, what concerns you? They also say, look, the rain cannot fall. Why? They overheard a blessed man say, I will go out by 7, I'll be back by 9.30. He said, sorry, it's a morning rain. Let's wait for him to come back. You know why? He's special. No, we are not all the same. You know I've been saying that. I like the testimony the prince gave in that regard. He said the weather in, in he was going to England. So I think it was coming from the US or so. So he and his wife. When they read about the weather, it was so bad. Cold, of course, that's what they call bad weather. All right? Very cold. And of course, you know, rain falls once in a while, but everywhere was frozen. So before they took off, he and his wife prayed that God please. We need fair weather when we are there. As they were landing, everything were warmed up. So they stayed for like a week. So those people in London were just saying, ah, wow, so nice you guys came around this period. Though. That if you had come last week, it would have been terrible. They said about it when they were leaving. They said, ah, you guys really had a nice time. This, you know, they, were just, they didn't think anything of it. So as they were leaving, they were, not, they were passing the comments, they are hosts. So the wife just told them, watch out. And really, as they left, everything went cold again. Everything became frozen again. That God poured out everything, gave them relatively dry, you know, weather throughout. And as soon as they left, the thing fell again. The cold landed. I, I read that testimony. Especially since his wife told them, told us as we were leaving, he said, "Watch out, we are leaving. The good weather is likely to live with us." And he did. So Jacob. Blessed man, that's the point I'm making. When you are blessed, even the weather will cooperate. One angel will just come. Lord, he has planted how many bushels? He planted 500 bushels of grain. So give him rain so that they can germinate on time. That's why I tell people, eh? please give God reasons to bless your environment. Stop carrying your money and running abroad with it. I hope you're getting my point. Please stop. Buy land around. Dig the land. If it's a farm you want to do there, farm there. If it's a house you want to build, build it there. If it's a business you want to start, do that. Give God a reason to protect the place. You think everybody's the same? They're not all the same. There's a neighborhood, there's a lot of trouble. You just go there, you won't know. You just go and rent a house there. Then they will just change the DPO. Because you rented a house. And you are not aware. Then the DPO is this type that doesn't like trouble. So just comes out, carries a megaphone, and warns everybody. Listen, guys, I'm a troublemaker. 
I used to be an agbero before I got this job. So let me warn all of you. I know where you're all hiding. Then some will believe and emigrate. Others that will not believe, they will end up serving 15 years imprisonment. You know why? Your house will be ready in 15 years. <laughs> They'll be quiet, and you won't know why. The neighbors say, ah, thank God for that new DPO. Since he came, it's not him, it's you. That's why the angel told Daniel, you are highly esteemed. That's why I beg people, see, stop. Oh God, let me know. I've been praying, I want to be able to focus on my message, not to carry away with Jesus. I'm about to start. So, you know, once I do like this, once I cover this thing, I'll start gisting. Next one hour, I won't get to the message. But this time, when I say I'm not doing like that again, let me sit on my message. Right now, this nation is suffering. Not, it's not, I, I pray you get it. What Nigeria is suffering, Christians, listen. Well, maybe it's a prophetic word, so let me just give it. What this country is suffering is faith drain. And is devastating. We don't know how devastating it is. It is devastating. It's devastating. Look, pray, but beyond just uttering prayers, live a life in agreement with the prayers you're offering. Because what the nation is suffering is faith drain, salt drain, light drain. Did you get that? Salt of the earth, light of the world, being drained. One of my colleagues said something, a friend of mine actually. He said, no, if any young man has opportunity to live, well, let him live. I said, then stop complaining about bad government. Stop complaining about things that don't work. Because angels will not run them. Somebody has to. And you are telling me to let the brilliant ones live. Why am I saying so? I keep on saying this. Places are blessed because of people. Not people being blessed because of places. God needs a reason to preserve this city. I know this will sound arrogant. But please, I pray you get my point. Father God. I don't have any shadow of doubt in my mind. God said, I don't have a doubt. Banky, I want to bless Enugu. Go there. I don't doubt it. I know it's sound arrogant. Are you the only person? I don't know. I don't doubt it. There was a time I was talking to the, a, a particular DPO covering one area anyway. So we're sitting with, here and I were talking. A police officer, of course, that's what the DPO is. We were just telling him, ah, that time, how Enugu was so nice that, do I know? And the whole week, if I didn't know that, that's how policemen count records. Say, so, do I know that this whole week there's no crime? Well, of course, when they say crime, it doesn't mean somebody didn't fight. That's not a crime. But you know, he meant robbery, you know, murder, you know, stuff like that. Say, so, do I know that the whole week there was nothing like that in the whole state? He was not telling what the governor was doing, he was explaining. Then they are then commissioner of police, how the man is really, you know, how he stands behind his men, giving them the boldness to work hard, and how the governor was cooperating. As he was talking, me, I was hearing a different thing. I was hearing divine goodness. At that time, it was when it was in the news. Enugu was then rated the safest state in Nigeria. Then, I don't know about the rating now. That it was the most peaceful, was the safest at that time. Do you know, you've heard of, um, please, Jenny, what I was talking about here eh, is Jacob and the promise. And how you cannot help your children by keeping money. Remember that? So if I forget, you remind me. <laughs> you know, once I went to Sokoto, which you know I do, I mean, often enough. So one of, our, one of the ministers there, he and Pastor they have good friends, but they, they spoke with me separately on this matter. When 
the problems in the north began. All right? One of the bombings, church bombings, the, you know, the Boko Haram issues and all of that, when the, the, the whole thing began. People didn't, a lot of people don't realize that it actually was in Sokoto also. It was also going to start there. In fact, the militants built a base. You know, they had camps there. They had units. My friend Pascal then was, I think, was um, PFN chairman for the state. Now, what they did is what I want to tell you about. They came to him and said, what do we do? People, of course, they were, um, of course, Madala bombing had happened. But Medugura suffered. Bono was burning. Local governments have been taken here and there. So, so good Christians came together and said, what do we do? So, somebody said, okay, we are going to get um, bomb detectors and metal detectors and mount at the entrance of every church. So, he, the chairman, my friend, said, so when you will have detected the bomb, what will you now do to the bomb? I, I I, because these people are willing to detonate it there. And they used to do that. So, the detector and the bomb, everybody's going down. And you blow your machine to pieces, so you need to get another one. So they realized that this didn't make sense. So they said, okay, what do you want us to do? He said to them, what are we, Christians? Our job is to pray. Since then, till now, they all meet once a week. They have not stopped. All these years, they haven't stopped. Sometimes Wahala is good. So all of them, are, they are brethren. All these divisions... When, when they bombed two churches, all of you realize that you are, you are all Christians, actually. You suddenly realize. <laughs> yeah. They meet, I'm telling you, every week, once a week, they meet to pray. All the PFM pastors, whether you are doing die by fire or you are sharing the word by faith, whatever it is, just come and pray. And you know what? God answered them. Now, I'm going to mix the story that each one of them told me, or I'll just mix it. So, Okay, Pascal wasn't that said this. So when he saw what God did for them in Sokoto, he asked, what happened in Meduguri? You know the conclusion they came to? He said, he perceived that peradventure, that it's possible that those that God planted there, they ran away first. So there was nobody to hold the place spiritually. Do you get it? Because in their own place, no, they would start explaining that, you see, it's because of this, it's because of that, uh, you know. No. Those guys actually, in fact, that time they were saying, uh, get security for each church. At that point in time, the police headquarters in Sokoto was bombed. So he called them and said, who do you want to protect you? Your protector has just been bombed. That you can see your help does not lie with human beings. Your help lies in the Lord. I arrived for program then. And the, then the PFM president at that time, or the chairman they called him, uh, president, whatever. Anyway, you know what I mean, the head of any state. He came to receive me at the airport because they were the one that invited me for a program. And there was a, he, I saw him talking with one uh, military man. So when I entered the car, he was not telling me what they were discussing. And that man was the second in command, the second highest commander covering the whole state. So he was telling him things that were happening. So he just gave me some gist about them. And those men had testified. The way they used to find those um, militants was mysterious. Remember the story I told? He said, their commander one day just told some guys, look, go on the patrol. Nothing really, they didn't think anything was happening. So these guys were just going around patrolling. You know, this kind of patrol that you don't have anything in mind. They were just moving about. Then they came under fire. Why? They were heading for a place where militants were camped. Not knowing there was anything going on. 
the militants sighted them from far and thought they were coming to attack them. So they gave the first hail of bullets. Of course, they are trained military men. The moment they saw that, all of them went down for cover. And where they were lying down, they quickly radioed their HQ. Hey, we came under fire for no... They were shocked. They thought there was nothing going on. Those ones just exposed themselves. They didn't go there looking for anything. No. <laughs> they were just patrolling. That's how those guys exposed themselves. So those guys just laid down there very well, covered themselves well, and waited for reinforcement. When reinforcement came, it came bigly. You know what they call bigly? <laughs> they just talked to each other, said, where's the fire coming from? They saw it. No problem. Those guys just launched some barrage of green. Blew the place to pieces. I went and saw ammunition. You know, there was weapon dump there. Picked up the people that had died in the, you know, in the bombardment. The point was that they didn't know. God just exp- and it didn't have, that thing didn't happen only once. It didn't happen twice. The military men were wondering, like, how is this happening? Now, what happened was that before then, I won't give you details because some of the things those guys did, very interesting. The way they prayed. One of the ways they prayed was that by a prophetic word, God told them to remove their shoes. Now, have you ever walked in Enugu barefoot outside in the hot sun? You never, okay, try it one day. Now, imagine what it would be like to do that in Sokoto. Barefoot. These are all, well, people who wear shoes normally. Their feet burnt. But it was a prophetic activity. That this is how the land would be hot for those guys. And it was hot. That's why the whole thing, if you check, the whole place relatively quiet compared to the other areas. That's how it happened. It wasn't spontaneous. Though. That's why we need, you know, I keep on saying it. I said this, was it last year or the year before? I said, thus is the Lord. And I'm saying it again. Say, if you want this land, I will give you. The problems that people don't want, they give it away, then they want to start complaining. Why do they give it away? Somebody buys it for cheap. He says, look, if you just go like this, you'll make $100,000 in, in two years. Not even as if it's only one month. If you are, if you are staying here, how, much they, how long will it take you to save this amount of dollars? I don't want to go into economics talk now, right? But what ends up happening is that people just sell. But that's not the issue. The issue now is that they have given the place up. And I keep on telling you, if you give it up, don't complain. The time was, we Christians were saying that you need to find a way of escape out of this country. A Muslim came out and said, this country is mine. I'm not going anywhere. So whatever it will take, I'll give it to it. If it pushes me, I'll push it back. God is just. God is fair. You, a pastor, said, I find a way of escape. A Muslim comes and says, this land, I will take it. God will give him. God will give him. I want you to bear that in mind. The Lord will give it to him. He's who wants it. Back to Jacob. Remember, we're talking about Jacob. Back to Jacob and Esau. Why did Jacob get the blessing? It was because he wanted it, and Esau didn't. Esau held it more of out of disdain for Jacob. I won't give you. Are you getting my point? That's the main reason Esau held it. So God said, no problem. Jacob is going to get it. People say that uh, he waited for him to be hungry. I don't care how hungry I am. You can't collect my car. And he said, look, this is your car. I know you are very hungry. I'll just give you a plate of half will be Nigerian jollof. The other half will be Ghanaian jollof. And I give you intercontinental moe You know this one? Is it content? What do you call continental breakfast? When you go to hotels. When is the continental? What do you really mean? Who can tell me? Hotels will tell you continental breakfast. I don't know what it means. Once he has rice, he has bread, he has, we will eat it. Anyway, we'll give you continental dessert. All of that. Man, I'm so hungry, man. I want to die. Just give me your car. For what? A plate of food. 
Leave that in. I said, please, bury me inside the motor car. Yeah, because, because for the rest of life, I will feel so foolish that for food, I gave out such a nice ride. Next time you are driving past, you know, guilty conscience will kill me. So for you to have, so, people think that uh, he waited for him to be helpless. It was hunger. What did I call it? Forget it. For you to have sold that. Look, many of you have wedding bands in your hand made of gold. Hunger would not make you give it to anybody. It's ordinary ring of gold. You can buy another one for maybe 100,000 naira. But you won't give anybody. Say, leave it. In fact, before, the, before, before the, you can change your mind, you swallow it. Let me not go and change my mind. We care so. For he sought to have sold it, he didn't value it. For Jacob to have bought it, he was hunting for it day and night. And eventually, the opportunity came. See, <laughs> one brother, when we were in school, he bought a very beautiful New American Standard Bible. My first time I was using a New American Standard Bible. For certain reasons, I fell in love with it. For certain reasons. Because many of the preachers used to do a lot of correct King James here. Correct. Anytime they are correcting the Bible, that is the right word. I see the correct word in this one in our hands. And it was a beautiful Bible. Except that I didn't have one. I didn't know how to get one. So I told the brother to give it to me. He looked at me. that look, forget that. I'm not giving you. We were together in school for months. I don't know how long. Then he was graduating. He studied a four-year course. My own course is six years, so he was only leave school when I was finishing fourth year. So now I said, hey, Banky, just look through my things as he was graduating now. He said, just look through my things. Anything you like, pick. He was quite a generous guy. He had shoes. He had clothes. He had all those things. Then I didn't even think twice. You know, like, there's this thinking, that, ah, hey, bro, is graduating now. What should I take now? Ah. He said, look through my things. Anything you want, point to it, I give it to you. Anyway, just give me the Bible. <laughs> that is, it's okay, but I didn't hesitate. That Bible, can I have it? The guy looked like, this guy got me. They asked Herod's wife, the daughter, Herod's daughter, asked for anything up to half of my kingdom. The woman went and met the mother. What should I ask for? They could have asked for plenty of money. They could have had to make the girl a minister. They could have asked. The woman has been brooding for a long time. This John the Baptist, one day I will get him. <laughs> Just to the daughter, ask for the head of John the Baptist. It's what you value you ask for. Do you get my point? The opportunity will come once in a while in life. It's what you have been brooding on that you ask for. That's why you have to be very careful. Make sure you brood on things that have value. If it's many people, God comes like Solomon, to, like he did to Solomon, comes to them. Ask me for anything. Hey, I want a ticket for two. What's it? What? I want to talk the whole of Europe. God is looking like, are you all right? The God of heaven came to you to say, what do you want me to do for you? You ask for a ticket. Just angels. Outer darkness for this one. Give him the ticket to let him talk. When he finishes the story, outer darkness. It's too stupid. <laughs> because that's what he'd be thinking about every day. Anyway, the Lord is good. So back to the matter of Jacob, all right? You know, I went to that trying to say something like, it's not what your children need. It's not the money you pack up for them. What do they need? A blessing. The blessing made Jacob. That's why I went to all of this. He understood the power. I don't know how he got to know it, but he got to know it. The blessing doesn't just make your life easy. So don't expect that you just hand the children an easy life. But you make the life fulfilling. They will fulfill their destiny. Don't ever forget, most of the things you see in this life, they are nothing. 
Many of these we admire from a distance. They literally are what? Vanity. 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 Let's bear that in mind. All right? So, I began to explain why I said to my wife then that I believe that I, I, I have a more assured home in 10 years than a man who is materially wealthy. Because I understand that to be a child of God, our wealth is not counted physically, but it's counted spiritually. But the fact that we say it's spiritual does not mean we're going to walk around naked and have no food to eat. No, that's not what it means. It means that it is kept in a place where the appropriate measure is released at each time that you need it. And the place where it is kept, it can never lose value, it can never decay. And what I hope to talk about today is the fact that the real wealth for us as believers, it's our faith that's the currency that we spend in this kingdom. Please let's bear that in mind. So, now I said we should open somewhere, right? Luke chapter 12. So, I just went to talking about Christians. Let's be spiritual in our thinking. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Change how you think. Change your value system. Change the things that you appreciate. Change the things that you value. It's very important that Christians recognize the fact that they are no longer, they are not of this world anymore. Let's read that Luke chapter 12. So when we're talking about divine abundance, that's what I was trying to explain. We're not talking about material wealth, how to lay up treasure on the earth. Please be reminded, I said divine abundance is tied to one thing last time. What did I say? Who was around last time? I said the abundance of God is tied to one thing. Kingdom switch, yes. Kingdom switch. You leave the world and enter into the kingdom. Please be reminded of that. That the mistake we make as Christians is when we expect God, we expect the El Shaddai God to satisfy worldly, which word do I use now? I don't want to use desires. To fulfill worldly parameters, yes, let me use that word. So that at the end of the day, after sowing our seeds and praying and fasting, when they are listing the richest men in the world, our name should be on that list. Do you get my point? When I was in university, something used to happen. They told us about the power of eternal life. And one, for certain reasons, we believe that it transmits or it translates into material wealth. So, and this happened, I mean, for, for years, we were thinking about it. So we used to celebrate Christians that are wealthy. I hope you're getting my point. Wealthy. And we felt, at least I, I mean, I was not the only one, but I know I did, that the richest man in the world should be somebody who knows the gospel and who's doing the, the things of the gospel. In fact, it got to a time, decided telling us, I had preachers preach it, that Bill Gates is a Jew. And he was the richest man in the world because his father Abraham tithed. Have you heard that before? Have you have not gone to church long enough? You are shaking your head. You have not heard it before? Okay, maybe they have gotten... Is the man a Jew? Those of you who know Bill Gates. Anyway, it may be a Jew. After all, every woman is a Jew. So We're all Jews. So are you getting my point? We're all, so it's not even an issue. We're all Jews. So let's leave that 
And it was praised because we just felt that, look, the kingdom, you understand, you know, it has to take over. And so the, we always try to wind our way around it. There was a time the Jesus was going around, I don't know whether it's true or false, that Angote is this rich because Archbishop of the House blessed him. I don't know what that thing has been confirmed to be true. But I mean, it doesn't even matter to me. Because no matter how rich he is, if he's not born again, was, what does it profit a man? Finish it for me. And forfeits his soul, suffers the loss of his soul. So what is the issue? If Archbishop of the House blesses you and you don't know Jesus Christ, why should I be impressed? What is the greatest blessing you can have in, in life? Is it not Christ Jesus? So if you are blessed, you were not blessed with the knowledge of Christ, I should not be celebrating the blessing. What's my problem? But what happened to us is that we forgot one thing. That Jesus said one thing. My kingdom is not of this world. Please never forget it. He said what? My kingdom is not of this world. So you cannot rate the richest people in his kingdom on a Forbes list. It's not possible. How will you even assess it? I'm trying my best not to get carried away into explaining some of these uh, financial issues. If you know what it takes to be on the Forbes richest list, you will know it's an empty list. You can be there today and be... Oh, no, that one. <laughs> Once you are under 30, Guaranteed. Yeah, it's called the the the, Forbes, the curse of a Forbes cover or something like that. That if you are look, once they put you there as a young man, just know you are on your way to prison. Just know say ah, Mugwe. Why? It's because of the way they assess it. One guy, very funny name, Bankman Fried, the crypto king. The guy they even revoked his bill, locked him up. He's on trial. Nobody he was home on bail. But they said he was tampering with witnesses. So they carried him in guy and locked, locked his butt in prison. Yeah, just a few, not too many months ago. He was donating millions of dollars here and there. I don't know. I think he also made it to the cover. <laughs> and a young guy. Of course, African one. They carried, they carried a Nigerian criminal. And put him on the cover. And he too was wearing a fine suit and teaching us how to invest in real estate, invest in oil and gas, invest in tech, and he was giving lectures. This guy is a thief. Once he did not teach us, would have been happy if he did, is how to steal. Yeah, so at least we will know what we are dealing with. Don't steal to acquire money. Then be telling me how to work hard to get it. What do you know? Now, bro is cooling his heels in an American prison. This is on a side gist. I still remember when that Hoshi guy was trending. For those of you who do social media, that's Facebook and um, Instagram. Just by the way, maybe age, I used to tell my wife and my kids, I said, maybe age is my problem. When I say age now, I think I've seen too much in life. Something just can't impress me. There's one good guy going around any good then. <laughs> Why am I even laughing at the guy? He'll come to wash his car. Normally to wash your whole car, inside and outside, it's like 1,005. Easy, how much? That time? Well, like 1,005 to wash inside and outside. You could depress that 1,005 again. Okay, the guy said if you press that, well, one key. But the point is that this guy gets there, they finish washing his car, he gives him 500,000. 
Yeah, standard. It wasn't like, uh, no, standard. You just go there, it comes with two cars. In fact, all the poor people around that I know, when they go with their cars, those boys will just, they, they are halfway through washing your car, they just leave your car. Once the guy arrives, the boys are leaving your car. See, even if you are using it to carry um, um, uh, Junior Israel for his wedding, and he said, let me just go and wash this car because the guy is going for a wedding. Forget it. That wedding is on suspension. Those boys are leaving your car. They are going to wash. Yusuf, check them. So you see a car wash where there are like um, 20 young men walking. You now find 20 young men washing two cars. <laughs> you only ask for one person to wash your car. And they make it clear to your car, wait. If you want to get angry, you know it's your problem. Because when that guy finishes... When they finish the guy's car, he gives them 500,000 naira. Yeah. Each time, if he comes next week, he's doing it again. Never saw the guy. I heard it. I just said simply. When I saw his age and his guy, I said, the guy is, is not making honest money. That's not for this is not generosity. You are not making honest money. As I said, maybe I said something, I said, maybe age is my problem. I just look at people. When I just see some people, I say, so you need to be told this guy is a criminal. There are things you just see. And you just know that this guy cannot be honest. So this guy will sit down and be sharing pictures. Just wake up in Dubai. He wants to go and have breakfast in Switzerland. And then takes a private plane and takes a picture of himself on it. Serious people can go and eat the breakfast, but they are not going to send you a picture of it. And there's one guy, one guy wanted to disgrace him. He used to abuse preachers in Nigeria. No food is dangerous. He went to visit the other guy in Dubai. He sat down. And that guy gave him food. He's a media personality. He was not interviewing him. He said he pays his driver equivalent at that time in Naira. Maybe 500,000 a month and stuff like that. And all of that. This guy now said that, eh, why are they abusing him? Instead of them, he insulted everybody in Nigeria. He said, he said for them to go and ask their father to come and beg the guy for a job. Because eh, I will disgrace. I wanted to disgrace. That's why I gave you this food. Once they give you food, you know, your mouth becomes loose. Especially when there's too short with it. Are you getting my point? Yeah. Real drink, you know. When they hit, <laughs> when good alcohol is the back of your throat, instantly, you are filled with the spirit. Because, you see, it was spirit. <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys just feel with the spirit. Start talking nonsense. Speaking with strange languages. Because I wanted to disgrace you. That's all. Because within a few weeks, FBI and the Dubai police entered the guy's house, packed him up, and took his butt into a prison in Chicago. Why? He's a thief. Look, that's even for criminals. Even those who are legitimate. The rich list is still an empty list. That's why we first talked about the young people who end up on those things and then they end up in prison after. But even for the old men. You can be up there today and down tomorrow. The way they value it is what I The wealth that they record for you is a perception by the general public. That's all. It's perception. So they value how you are perceived in public. Not even real material wealth. Because the valuation of your stock is purely a perception matter. So it's not real. Now, beyond that, let's not even go to this things that, okay, let's assume you have real companies and all of that. It still doesn't matter. The kingdom is not of this world. 
the rich person, as far as God is concerned, cannot be found on the rich list made by Forbes. It's just not possible. It's not, look, it is absolutely what? Impossible. There were two churches those days that Jesus sent letters to through John. One, the church in Smyrna. Jesus said, I know of your perceived poverty, but I'm telling you, you are rich. That's Revelation chapter 2. Then go to chapter 3. He says, the one that everybody says is rich, but you don't know you are what? You are poor. Please, we are talking about divine abundance. I'm trying to get us to understand how to define things from the kingdom perspective. Like I say all the time, if Jesus said you are poor, believe me, you are poor. I don't even have to try and explain it. If he tells you you are poor, as he's saying it like this, you have in front of you in cash, 50 million U.S. dollars. And you have in gold, 200 million U.S. dollars. And you have in stocks and valuation of stuff, land, property, here and there, maybe a few billions of dollars. If Jesus walks into you and says you are poor, please believe him. Take that gold and put it in the dust, like Job was told. Take the money, go to the street, and share it out. Throw it away. If it says you are poor, you know what it means? It means what money is supposed to do. It won't do it in your life. You will buy food. God says, swallow it. Let me see. That's what they will say. Swallow it. You'll be looking at it. Say, you bought food. You have money. Swallow it. And if I were you, I won't. I won't even try. Say, Lord, I'm not hungry. Because if you try and swallow it, he will know. Ah, God is a master creator, designer. There are two pipes next to each other, connected to each other, the top of your neck. The one in front carries air. If water enters it, you choke to death. If food drops inside it, you're dead meat. And they are, they are just next to each other and connected on top. You put one little thick like membrane. When you want to swallow, it will slide over and cover the one that air is supposed to pass through. Your food will just ride over it. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody tells that so you came out of nothing. Just the person, you'll be full. That is, how, how is it possible? No, because, again, small digression. One reason why I believe in God is not just because I'm a Christian, even though that must be part of it, all right? But haven't been a believer, haven't assessed life. You know why I believe in God? Forget Jesus Christ for a moment as our Savior. The idea that there must be a creator is by studying biology, is by studying human physiology, by studying how things work. How animals, how cells function. After studying it, how you can tell me there's no creator amazes me. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing to me how you can conceive that such an intricate system came out of nothing. Let me not sit on that. So I was telling you, God will tell you, swallow it. The little I know, don't dare him. Let me swallow it, what will happen? He will have you buried with just four grains of rice. Yeah, just four grains. You go the wrong way. You will not be able to bring it up. You will get pneumonia and die. And you're like, excuse me. Eh? I told him he was poor. So now he's dead. What does that, how does that help him? He said, okay, I have money. He built the biggest house. God said, sleep in it first. Just go there and sleep. As you lie down, you will shout. One scorpion came before you. You laid on the scorpion. 
Sorry, not, I'm not, um, this is not a joke, it's true. If you have ever entered your house and found a snake, or you woke up and found a snake, put up your hand. Snake, snake, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winger, put up your hand now. Because one day you came to call me to come and see snake downstairs. Yes. Put down your hands. See the number of hands going up? Yeah. Until Judah. See Judah there. Is it normal? See? It's common. One day I just said, Daddy, come. I came. What is it? I should come and see snake. This snake entered my city room and sat down there. As if he's expecting other snakes. They have a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm making is that people have gone sat down like that. The amazing one. People have sat on their toilets and got stunk by a snake. That crawled up an expensive house, but unfortunately connected to a city sewage system that some dangerous snakes were living inside. So they crawled up, and they don't know anything. They're just looking for a way. So they just ah, see a hole here. They buy. Do you expect your... <laughs> the commode before you sit down? The guy just lifted the thing. He just sat down. Mom. That's it. It's dead. When I read, the one I read most recently, I'm not saying that, okay, how to inspect your toilet. I inspect my toilet because of snake. I said, no. No serpent. I can't be inspecting toilet because of serpent. And I've not inspected toilet because of serpent since that time. They can't bite me. So how do you know? Don't I have the scripture? When I read that story, I just took that scripture. I used to cover my toilet. No, all toilets in my life, they are covered. Because I can't. If I scare you, people have entered airplanes before. Sat in the toilet there. They got stunk by a spider. You know, the most poisonous creatures on earth are not even snakes. The spider so tiny, they give somebody a stink. The person dies of paralysis. And you will never find out what killed them. Unless you know about it. I know where they hide. Toilet. You build the house. Go, say. Go and shit. <laughs> Go toilet first now. Say if I tell you you are poor, believe me. As they carry the man into the house, next thing he hears, ambulance. From inside the house, one man did one in on It was so painful. His wife just gave birth. So he just finished his house. So to move into, used to thank the woman for being a good wife. The first night they slept there, everybody died apart from that baby. Yes. The first night they slept in a brand new house. This happened was it earlier this year or last year. Yeah. Everybody died apart from the baby, I think. He died. His wife died. I think his, his mother or his mother-in-law looking for Mugo. Outside, we said. Yes. And the older child. The other and the older one. Everybody died. Why? Because for one funny reason or the other, somebody put the generator close to a window outside. It was outside, though. And the window was open. And gently the fumes filled the house and killed everybody with carbon monoxide poisoning. Please, don't live in a house where angels don't help you inspect. I'm telling you. So when, when Jesus said that you are poor, you see, he's not joking. When he said, look, this guy, you are poor. The MK Abila was telling you about when his first wife died. He said it himself, shame on money. He had all the money in the world. He could pay for any treatment, but he couldn't keep the woman alive. When Steve Jobs died, 
Apple had a hundred billion US dollars in cash, not val- not stock value. Apple did, Steve Jobs didn't believe in paying dividends. They made money, made money. He banked all the money they had, a hundred billion dollars. Yet he died having exhausted all medical. He had used natural herbs, used everything. They had done everything for him. They changed his liver for him. At the end of the day, kept on losing weight and losing weight until he died. If God doesn't heal you, money can't heal you. If that thing. This is my life. I've learned it too. If you take medicine and you get well, it's not the medicine, it's God. I don't know why people don't even believe in God. God my is that life is too risky. Not keep on telling you. Life is too risky. I see all kinds of things. People just die for sometimes very annoying reasons. One woman went in, um, I think, Okada area. It was raining. She said, let her just go to the bank. Because of the rain, she kept her car somewhere. Because of navigating, she entered Keke and went to the bank. To go back to another Keke, back to she fell into a, a, a drain. The torrent of water carried her away. They found the dead body two days later. She left home, told her husband and children, please, I'm going to the bank. They didn't see her again for two days. When they saw her later, they picked the floating dead body. Rain water carried her away. That's why I pray. People are walking on the road. One policeman is trying to clear road for uh, chief executive or deputy. And he mistakenly leaves the gun to just scare people away. And the gun discharges. He wasn't trying to shoot anybody. Then one poor girl asked, waiting for a bus. Gun hits her in the head. Accidental discharge, not aimed at anybody. This life is so dangerous that even if I didn't love God, I would, I would love him for security purposes. <laughs> I'm telling you. When Jesus looked at people and said that you are poor, believe it. It means you are poor. You know what it means? You can't help yourself. All the money you kept can't save you. It can't keep your children. That's why we began all of this. It can't. That was what Jacob understood. I don't know how he did, but he understood it. So he says simply, what I did is a blessing. That blessing made him rich, materially. That blessing made him rich. See, I was telling you, a blessed person, please, I need to explain this. A blessed person is not looking for, where is the weather good? The weather is asking, what is the blessed person up to? That's what it means to be the head and not the tail. What is the head? The person who leads. That's why God helping me. I, I, I think over the years, he really has helped me. He said, ah, this is where the action, this profession is where the money is. Is where this is. If you go there, you are a tail. If you are going there for that purpose. This country is where prosperity is. If you go there, see, you have to understand some of these things, there's, God is dispassionate about them. He's not angry. He's not anger. When I told the man, curse is the ground because of you. It's not like, I am angry with you. You know, you broke my heart. Adam, after having done this for you, how could you have done like this to me? I will show you. No, that's not what happened. Though. What God just told Adam flat is simple. Now that you have chosen to go your own way, you will see what it means to live outside a prepared garden. That's all. If you choose to do it that way, this is the natural consequence, does not need special enforcement. You are getting my point? That's what I just said to him. This is the natural consequence, does not need special enforcement. Let me just try and get back to the main thing I'm trying to say. So, we Christians 
understand all of these things. So we assess wealth the way God assesses wealth. We understand that our kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is not of this world. It is not. Let's read that Luke chapter 12. Maybe to help me just get to the main thing we're trying to say. So if we make wrong choices, like I was saying, you are detailed. Sometimes God is angry with you, I will punish you. No. If you behave like a tail, you know what you are? A tail. What is a tail? A tail is the one that goes, follows whatever things are happening. What is the head? Which is what the blessed person is. A, the blessed person goes to where the spirit leads and the blessing is his tail. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know whether you got that. That is what other people are looking for. We follow him. So if you are jumping here and there, you are behaving like a tail. Please, you must use prayer to, you know, in prayer you will tell God, what have you ordained me to be? What do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to do it? That where is very important. I learned that long ago. Spiritual principles just don't work anywhere. You just go and dump yourself. If Israel went anywhere, apart from the boundaries drawn by God, he couldn't fight giants. I'll be getting my point. If he went into the land of the Edomites, the Edomites will have defeated them. God told them clearly, this land is not your own. It belongs to the descendants of Esau. This one is not your own. It belongs to the descendants of Lot. He told them, this one, many of us used to think that it's only, you know the way we talk about, have you ever seen Christians this they talk about Jews? You would think Jesus Christ needs to be saved by a Jew. When I hear Christians talk about Jews, I'm like, what? They talk as if the only thing that God is doing on this earth is Jews. They still talk as if Christianity is an addition. For your information, Jesus was always the main aim. Jacob was picked as an aid to the manifestation of God in Christ. I hope you're getting my point. Please never forget that. I don't want to get into that now, alright? So, in that land, God shared land to everybody. That's the point I'm going to make. He gave land he reserved for the children of Esau. The Edomites. He gave land to the, for the children of um, Lot. And there are two of them. The, Ammon, the Ammonites and what's the, second? The, the Moabites. Thank you. And God warned Israel, these three people, don't go near their land. So God actually does that. There are things he says you don't do. Then Moshe Karen, in fact, he was very smart. He decided to go into, you know, <laughs> you know this idea. You know, you have to just every day be putting your body under. What do I mean by that? Say, hey, dollar is going like this. Dollar is going that way. If you just buy like this, then it will now go like this. You now make a lot of money. You know what I found out? If you're a Christian, that's how to become poor. It's a very strategic way for poverty. God will crash your own investment first. Then the dollar will continue where it was going before you came. It's important to tell you that stock market is going like this. Just go and, when you bring your money, eh? the angel is waiting. You know the angel's job? Impoverish that guy. As soon as the stock is rising, it's rising. You pack your money. You know, you, oh God, many things to say. You know why God is God? He can treat you as if you are the only person on the earth. You'll be wondering how he's managing to do it. That same stock market. It will be as if everything is just wrapping around you. If he wants to bless you, eh? He will use it to lift you up. If he wants to ruin you for your unbelief, 
You will buy the same stock other people are buying. You will lose money, they will make money. You'll be wondering, how did he do it? That's why he's God. Then Moshakara said, okay, ah, let's go. Ah, he said, the, the price of grain had reached the peak. Government had a, pack, a, a, a cap on it. So people had been pushing for the removal of the government cap. So he had entered contracts. I know those guys are very strong enforcing contracts. He had entered contracts, okay, that guaranteed him grain at a particular price. He believed very strongly that as soon as the government cap is lifted, the price will shoot up. So he signed big deals that will supply him at the current price. Then finally, when the government released the decree, removed the cap. And that, that price that was high turned out to have been an imagination. That was only high because everybody thought it would rise. That's how everybody was looking. You know what happened to the price? It started dropping. At that time, it was losing $10,000 every week or so. I'm talking about, I think, is it 50s or so? Long ago. We were losing $10,000 every week. Move up now, price. Price, yeah. I like it down here. So the people he signed deals with were not the ones enjoying. They were bringing grain for him by shiploads, you know, of course, truckloads. He was looking at his money disappearing. His manager called him. His father called him. Oh, boy, what are you going to do? Come back home and come and settle this problem. He was doing a crusade somewhere, organized a program. He said, I can't now. The kingdom business is first. Okay? But you are losing. He said, by his calculation, he was going to be totally wiped out in a few months. So you know what he went to do? What Christians are supposed to do? He went to pray. So he knelt down and said, God, help me. The business that you helped me build is about to disappear. I've entered into contracts that will kill me. And the Holy Spirit said to him clearly, who sent you into the business you are doing? And let's make a long story. You can read the story in the happiest people on earth. God said to him clearly, the Holy Spirit made it clear. He said, I never gave you to that business. I never gave that business to you. Now that's not what I told you to do. Let's make a long story short. He said, Lord, please get me out. God said, no problem. I will do that. So he needed to sell. It's a million business. He needed to sell everything off. So he said, if I say he looked over his shoulder without anybody, because you know that kind of thing, like just get me out. And I looked, and I said, God, please, can I get a good price? <laughs> you see, I, no, I told you that if God, if you, mis, if you offend and God takes things away from you, go and pray, repent. They ask him that that thing he took away, can he bring two back? Don't be ashamed to do it. He restores double. That's what he does. The years that the locust ate, the palmer worm, he will give you double back. Don't worry. Don't say, ah, if it's only half, he gives me back, I'll be happy. I know. But why don't you just collect double? Let the forgiveness sound sweet. When he finishes forgiving you, for everything you lost, he will not restore. But the Bible says that he has wounded us. You know what he will do? He will heal us. That's why he's God. That's why he's our father. You mothers, you've done it before now. You told that boy, don't touch that cup. He carried the cup. He fell down and he broke. What did you do? You twacked his bum bum. He said, cry, and you're walking away, and he's following you, he's following you. Finally, you carry him, right? You rub his head and give him sweet. Reward for breaking your cup. You see what I'm saying? Okay, okay, okay. okay. After you have finished begging him, you now toast bread and give him to eat. That bread would not have come if he didn't break the cup. Can you see what I'm saying? That's how God is with us, too. 
after he has flogged us, he will rub our heads and I said, I want to you still bring it. He said, that money I lost, you know, was uh, one million naira. Can you give me two? Just make it three so that I will know that. Don't be ashamed. He will do it for you. I know what I'm telling you. And you know the way you are laughing? That's why he's also laughing. He's very happy when you have repented and you have learned your lesson. Oh, no, no, he's very happy. No, he's very, very happy. All right, the Lord is good. So the master kind of was telling you this story, right? He looked over his shoulder and said, God, please, can you just get me a good buyer? I want a good price. One man was sleeping. Suddenly he woke up and he heard a strong voice inside him. Called Demos. I wanted to buy his business. Like what? That nonsense. <laughs> Don't know whether you get my point. Imagine a man pushing his car every day. You now wake up and I go say, go and buy that car. Like what? Lord, I've been there. His AC does not work. Anytime he starts it, Two times now, I had to help him push it. And he had new batteries. Not like the battery was not good. First time, he said it was a tornado. Next time, they said it was a one coil. I'll go and buy a car that's not working for the owner. That's the kind of thing God told him, go and buy. Okay. You are obeying God, right? It's okay. This car, a good one is 5 million. But this one is a useless one. 1.5. The guy said 3.5 or nothing. You know, you're looking like, are you okay? Are you okay? Okay, to the market. Let's see who buy it for you for 1.5. What nonsense? I'm even... That's exactly what happened to Demo Shakari. That man got there. He said, I want to buy your business. Demo said, I'm doing a crusade. I'll be back end of the week. The man like, excuse me. See, let's get it clear. I don't want to buy. I'm just here for certain reasons. They sat down after, after wasting the man's time for days. He finally sat down and insisted on the particular price. And the man was looking like, are you okay? You don't seem to get it. You are losing money every day. If I don't buy this business, you are going to be wiped out. Demo said, that's my last offer. Ah! The man said, I'm going home. He went and slept. The Lord woke him up again. I said, go and buy the business. The guy grudgingly, painfully, just signed the deal and told him, please, can I, can I have my sleep now? That is, he bought it so he can sleep. He wasn't sleeping. The Lord said, you will buy it too. You know what I love about the Lord? Don't worry about it. He has given him more than enough money to buy it. One, that guy will make so much money from it, they must be tempted to collect it back. And the day he collects it back, you know what's going to happen? Him and the business, they are going to the Atlantic. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I going to say by all of that? It's not, the Lord told him clearly, it's not everything that you belong in. It's not every business. Life is not spontaneous. Christians, please, I'm begging you. Before you get into anything, pray. Don't just say, this one is making money now. You jump inside. That's why you keep losing money. you just be frustrated. Because you think your life is a game of chance. You don't know that you are ordained. I hope you know you are personally known. Uh, do, do you know that? God knows you personally. He will say, damn where are you going? One of our brothers gave me a testimony a few days ago. He said, one, he said there was one, one story I told. I was talking about a bishop and his car. That was smoking when he was going where God didn't want him to go. He said, ah, do I know it happened to him? That he was driving where, did he, where he was not supposed to go. One day he just went and opened a, something under his uh, fuel tank. The fuel started pouring on the road. So he stopped, called his mechanic. The mechanic came all the way to where he was stranded on the road. Fixed the car properly and left. 
He said, sir, stubbornly I kept on going. The angel came back again, losing the thing. The car that just been thoroughly fixed. The first started pouring out again. You know what he was feeling? God was looking at him and said, next time I burn the car. So he quickly turned. He called the mechanic again. They came physically. This time around, he had borrowed, do you know what you say in Nigeria? He had borrowed sense. He quickly turned and went back home. For me, let me explain. God knows you personally. I pray you get it. He knows you personally. Once I was in Lagos, when God kept me then, well, for a long, long after, I started wondering, did I do right? But I know even if I did wrong, God was kind. Or he would have forgiven. But what happened was that God kept me in Lagos. I didn't have what you call a job. I didn't have. He gave me food. He gave me a place to stay. I was staying with my auntie. And I was eating at the house. And he made me responsible so that I wouldn't just be lazing around doing nothing. I was a driver. Not many people had the privilege in Nigeria of having a driver that had an MBBS. Yeah, I was a driver that had a bachelor's in medicine, bachelor's in surgery, with a full registration with Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria post-NYS. Or more. I should have been driving a limo. Good qualification, I'm telling you. That's a job. Months, not two days. Wake up in the morning. I, I got used to I wake up in the morning, have a bath, I dress up, and go and sit down, and I'm waiting. So my auntie will come out. Okay. We'll go to the embassy. From the embassy, I need to stop to see somebody this part of Ikoi from there. I think I'll go to a papa. Let me see the manager then. Then we'll go to Ikeja, buy some things and come to the house. Yes, ma. I go down, start the car. It's my relative. I start the car. And I'll be driving. And she just, initially, out of, um, ah, this, this is not my driver now. She'll sit in front, you know, initially. After I was auntie, don't, don't feel bad. You can have your seat at the back. Okay. She went to the back. And I'll be driving. I'll be driving. Dri- I dro- that was when I hated manual cars, even though I ended up driving one later. My left foot, I had chronic calf pain from pressing clutch. See, Lagos is a wicked place. Sorry, brethren in Lagos, I'm sorry. I drove that Lagos. In a short way, I knew everywhere in Lagos. All those places. I knew everywhere. I knew how to navigate. I knew how to handle area boys. I knew. Anyway, the point I'm making is that I was a driver. That's what I was doing for months. You see where I'm going in a moment. I was waiting to start residency in Luz. So, one day I, go, I went to Luz. I asked them how far. They told me that they don't have any date for resumption of work yet. Ah, That day I got back home. I had been driving for months. Now, if you will say, what, what, what was God doing? God was giving, that was my Bible school, another Bible school period. All I used to do, I, did, I don't know how many hours of messages I listened to in a day. As I'm driving, I'm listening to messages. Anytime it's okay, come here when we get somewhere. Say, park here, come and wait inside the hall. I said, no, until I'll wait inside the car. Why? I was in the car player to listen. I listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours of messages just driving her around. That's what God did for me that period, all right? Every, every little money I had, I bought a book, I bought tapes, that's what I did. But that day I got home, which is the reason I'm telling the story, that God knows you personally. So I came back from Luz. He said there was nothing. Ah, you know when you think it's tomorrow, tomorrow, waiting is easy. But now it was just indefinite. I'd been doing nothing like that, apart from the driving job, for months. So I got home that day. I just sat down. I said, God, please, I need to get a job. I need to work. You know, one of my seniors from school, we'll call him, his name is Augustine. He just came to my house that morning. They just told him that somebody looking for you. So I came out, living upstairs. 
Ah, bro, please come in now. He said, no, no, I'm going somewhere. Take this address down. I took it down. I said, remember, the address is in my head. All right? He said, go there. Tell them I sent you. They need a doctor. I prayed yesterday. This morning, this guy came to my house and told me, go there. Well, as if God just woke him up. Hey, go and get that guy a job. And I remember that day, I just sat and said, Lord. I told him, I said, Lord, I'm tired. I just felt, I was feeling a bit irresponsible. In fact, I went to Benin at the time. And my friend who lives in the U.S. now, as soon as I came, I took a bike. We're having, those of you who know the University of Benin, we're having our conference at Central Calf. All right, low calf. All right? So I took a bike from the gate. I rode a bike to the place. So as I was coming down from the bike, he said, hey, black. He calls me that. He said, hey, black. I heard you are the only jobless doctor in Nigeria. That was how he greeted me. The guy had not seen me in months. He said, hey, black, I heard you are the only jobless doctor in Nigeria. That's how he greeted me. Of course, we laughed about it. But that's how long the thing had taken. Look, I, I, I went for interviews. Ah, there was a job I got. I loved it. I went to resume. I was supposed to resume maybe on Wednesday. I went to greet them on Tuesday. They told me they've changed their mind. I still remember the way the hospital is. In the Lupeju in Lagos. Where I'm going is that the day I sat down in my house, I just said, Lord, I'm tired. I need to get a job. That's, that's what I was telling you, that I don't know what I did right. And if I did wrong, I know he has forgiven. But the very next day, he said, okay, if that's the way you want it, he gave me, next day, I said it to him today, next day, that guy came to my house in the morning, he said, go to so and so and so place. I, I, I almost feel like telling you the name of the, the street. He told me the name of the hospital, told me the name of the, 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 the address, where they were in Ikeja, and I went there. I said, oh, you are welcome. When can you start work? I said, I work almost immediately. But God said, what we are doing, we are not done. So you know what he did? He made me work only nights. So I used to work only nights and weekends because I still needed to keep training in the word of God. Why am I telling you the story? To let you know that you are personally known. You're not a chance. You're not getting the job by chance. Listen, let me say this again. There are two kingdoms we said last time. Do you remember? There's a kingdom in this world. You are not in that kingdom. Two people may be sitting down here. One man is kingdom A, another person is kingdom B. They may walk in the same office, different parameters, spiritually speaking. I'll be getting my point. Spiritually, different parameters. Now, let me, of course, you know now. Was Joseph in prison alone? In Egypt. Was he in prison alone? Was he the only slave that he caught and uh, stole that slave at that time? Now, let me ask you a simple question. Was his own specifically directed? Did God hand pick who will kidnap him? Who will buy him as a slave? Did he specifically determine when he will go into the main prison? No answer now. His release was supposed to come as soon as he met a big man. No, think about it. You met a big man. When you are doing your work, you know, <laughs> oh, you know what now? Ali Kodangote now came, and you are the one that worked on his job. He and, you and him now became friends. Are you getting my point? You gave him sound counsel he needed to get oil to start producing. You know, your friends will congratulate you, my God, you don't make him. Is that not so? Did it happen with uh, Joseph? He met the big man, helped the big man. He said, sir, you are going to be restored. I prophesy. As God lives, you are going back to being the cup bearer of Pharaoh. And I see my spirit. <laughs> At the end of the day, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me, oh, 
The man must have said. In fact, I was there. He said. I swear by almighty God. That if I am restored the way you have said. Maybe you told me what happened. I am going to tell Pharaoh everything. And you are going to be released within, within two days of my going back to power. Now, cup bearers, you must understand. They were very powerful people. They were very, very powerful. He didn't even need Pharaoh. He would have talked to Potiphar. Potiphar, why is that boy in prison? Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. I want him released. No, no, I don't want to drop. As soon as he left, one angel went to his head, opened it, removed the memory of Joseph and pocketed it. Joseph, every morning, Joseph is waking up, he's whistling. God of miracles, now my papa is. Now my papa is. Ah, ah. After one week. God of miracles, now my papa. You know, it don't become worship song. <laughs> Initially, it was a praise song. Ah, after one month, Joseph looked. No, it's still early. Maybe the paperwork is taking time. Two months, three months, six months. So that's how human beings are. They are look. <laughs> they don't remember. No matter how much you help them, they don't remember anything. I remember here, I went into the spirit and all that is released that day. It's okay. There's no problem. It's all right. The guy facing work Yes, human beings are not grateful. The man they didn't even send him. You know, sometimes you can't release him, you send him food. The man didn't remember him one moment. That guy is an evil spirit. That's what he thought. But you know why the man forgot? God spoke to him. Forget. Why? His time is not now. If you remember him now, you will truncate his destiny. Forget. The man totally forgot. And the day he was supposed to remember. You know what happened? He suddenly realized that he forgot. Jesus, this was the first thing I wanted to do. My God, oh God, two years. No, it was two years. Ah. Pharaoh said, what are you talking about? Sir, I know a young man who will do this job. Where is he? Where does he work? He doesn't work anywhere, sir. He's in prison. You know, Potiphar forgot that guy there. If I were Potiphar, I would probably do worse too, but so let's not, let's not be angry with Potiphar. The point I'm making is that, do you know Joseph could not be released a day before God said he should be released? Read the book, I Was Wrong, by Jim Baker. You'll understand it. Jim Baker was sent to prison essentially for his whole life. 30-something years imprisonment for a man that was about 40-something. But God said, don't worry. In due season, I'll let you out. God kept him there until... First of all, he was heartbroken, he was depressed, he was every God was looking at him. The patience of God is very painful. You may like it, but if he's patient in one way towards you, you you'll be instead of him to just use his patience for iniquity alone. Use his patience for other things. Put him in prison, doesn't come to greet you. Jim Baker was in jail. Ah! There are different kinds of jails. There's a prison where you are. Everybody's coming to say, Pastor, how are you? It will soon come to an end. Nobody came to greet him. Most people forsook him. Associating with him, eh? It was as if associating with him meant you, you agree with some of the wrong things he did. Even whether he did it, don't forget that point. But people so left him. The most painful part, even his wife. Initially, his wife, only two people used to come. His wife and his friend, who was his chief contractor. So the contractor and his wife always used to come to see him. 
They were always coming together to see him. They were always coming together <laughs> to see him. He considered that guy his best friend. The guy was always coming with his wife to see him. And then one day, the wife let him know that she's divorcing him and marrying that guy. Yeah, the wife divorced him and married the guy while he was in jail. Hmm. Never see pain. An ordinary man, will, uh, woman will promise to marry you. Now you say no, they marry again, you won't die. And the person will come marry, not even know. This one, you know, this was his wife. And he was watching the romance blossom in front of him like this. So they were coming to see him. Please, if I'm in prison, don't escort my wife. God bless you. <laughs> she can come by herself. Ah, what kind of thing is that one? Hey, don't escort her. Go and take a taxi. Jim Baker is making me afraid. <laughs> this guy's wife divorced him, I'm telling you. Broke. Oh, God, the guy was reduced to zero. David said, I'm like a worm. The guy was warming. After he had been reduced very low, God now looked at him and said, Boy, how far? He started thinking about his life. God taught him forgiveness. Forgive people. He started forgiving everybody one by one. All the people that treated him bad. Jessica Hand, who accused him falsely. All those people, they, they started treating, forgiving them. Maximum Bob that first put him, that put him in prison for the rest of his life. He started, he started praying for them. Pray for the prosecutor. Pray for everybody. Pray for his wife. Pray for his friend. Pray for everybody. Started reading his Bible for the first time in a long time. He was a preacher. Not the read Bible. He was too busy. He started reading his Bible. He was reading his Bible. Then God began to correct him. Finally, when he had done all of that, God said, okay, good. Now time to go home. There is something else in prison. No, it's time to go home. He got a new lawyer. The new lawyer looked at the, looked at the first case. He said, Kai, your first lawyer was bad. You're not supposed to have gone to jail at all. Yeah, that's what this, this new lawyer said. That this first lawyer was bad. That why was he here trying to discredit the, the witnesses instead of focusing on the facts of the case? That he could have presented the fact that you didn't do anything. But he was so busy trying to discredit the witnesses. He said, but what that is done, Americans said, there's nothing they can do about that. So let's go somewhere else. He looked, looked at, he read the judgment. Eh, excuse me. What did the judge say? The judge put one line, not two, one line. He said, you knew, I can't remember the exact words. But he said, you new modern-day preachers make us, conservative Christians, appear like we don't know what we are doing. That word, us, the lawyer took it to appeal. This judge is biased. One, just by putting himself in the picture as a judge, he said, you make us. He said, who is us? You're supposed to be a judge. How is it your business? What's going on out there? Just face the law. He went to appeal. said, this judge is biased. Appeal court justices looked at it. We agree with you. Struck out. The sentence. Return him for resentencing. This time around, he used to call the other guy maximum bob. God now gave him a minimum bob. That guy used to give him, on one count, he used to give maximum sentences. So he used to call him maximum bob. They gave him a new judge. Of course, they didn't cancel the conviction. It was just the sentence. The guy looked at it. Where that guy gave him five years, he gave him six months. Where that guy gave him uh, maybe ten years, he gave him one year. The total, the new sentence came to six years. By that time, I had already done him be like four. Shortly after, the sentence was done. You know why? Because God said, time to lose him and let him go. It wasn't a game of chance. It was just God saying, this is a time to losing that man 
and let him go. I'm not going to emphasize that your life is not a game of chance. If you fall inside a gutter, don't jump out. Stay there for a moment and say, Lord, what am I doing here? Because actually, he has put his angels in charge surrounding you. You were not supposed to. So if you fell inside, you have to ask. No, those angels are mighty in strength. Catching you is not their problem. He said, Lord, let him enter. So just stay there. That's why when it's a muddy gutter, potter, potter. Just wait first. Look at yourself up and down. Lord, what happened? Let me leave that one there. Because your life is not a game of chance. Kingdom people, they're the ones I'm talking to. We're not talking abundance here so that we will use God to settle our material, worldly system. Our material and worldly standard. No. What we are doing in the kingdom, what we are doing as Christians is to walk in the kingdom. And in that kingdom, God plants his garden. In that kingdom, the Lord has planted his garden. And he said there, you may eat freely. I'm just going over the things we said last time. Remember, just remind us, okay? By the way, have we already looked at that 12? The Lord is good. Don't worry, we'll read. Don't worry, today we're not going to stay here long. But you never can tell you, anointing can come now, we'll start. But let's just review, all right? So like I was saying, I said something to us last time. Let's just go over them briefly. So God gave us the energy in ourselves, not to be looking for material things, of trying to get results, but to do what? But to do what? What are we supposed to do with the energy he gave us? To seek the Lord. To seek God. As you are seeking God, the Bible says as long as you seek the Lord, God will make you prosper. You know one thing I noticed last time we were reading that, um, is it First Kings? Chapter 4, verse Solomon. You know God, God, God told Solomon what? I will give you wealth. I will give you wisdom. But you know he didn't tell him I will give him long life. You know what he said? As long as you obey me, I will he put a condition on that thing. I know the truth. I find that God really attaches conditions to long life. Honor your father and your mother. Why? Long life. I was reading, go and read the first Kings chapter 4. I found that, hey, he told him, I'll give you wealth. He said, as long as you follow my ways, your days will be long. Ah. <laughs> I said, okay. As long as he sought the Lord, the Bible said, God made him prosper. What is our job as Christians? Continually do what? Seek the Lord. The sad side is that people, you know, they often do one thing. They don't seek the Lord. They seek what he gives. What did I say? They don't seek the Lord. They seek what he gives. I was preaching in Asaba, all right? And the first day what God gave me to say, all right, was that Jesus is asking, do you love me more than this? You know, when after making fish for them, he brought, they, they caught fish, what was the question he asked them? Do you love me more than this? He asked that question. And so, when I was a young person, I used to think that he was asking him, do you love me more than the other apostles? Well, that's possible, but I'm looking again, I'm wondering, was that really what he was asking? Was he expecting him to be more committed than the other people? I don't know. But what I think is more like he's asking him, do you love me more than the things I provide? But at least we can apply it. Jesus wants to know, 
do you love me more than the things that I give? I want to know the truth. It's very important to him. If your answer cannot be an unequivocal yes, he's not happy about it. He will train you until you're able to say, though he slays me. Complete it for me. Yet, I will trust him. See, until you're able to say that, all right, he's not happy. And I want you to understand something. There are people that he will treat. Look, learn it on time. It's very important. That you get to a point where you look and you know that. You know the song? You take the whole world. Sing it with me now. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. And give me Jesus. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. Now the first stanza is, I have decided to follow Jesus. Okay, let's not sing down. But that second one is one I really wanted us to sing. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. You know, when I was, um, when I was learning faith those days, they told us that that song is sense knowledge. It's sense knowledge. You're supposed to give me Jesus and give me the whole world. That is a mere hukusheshe principle. <laughs> you know that, you know that pastor, so professor, okay, no, I should call it the professor in the principle. He said, I love Jesus. But I still love me, Hukusheshe. It's not right. It doesn't work. You should, you know, the fact, you know, you know what happened to us as Christians was that we became covetous. Yeah, we became covetous. Covetousness became our issue. Because you were not supposed to qualify it. One major problem with kingdom abundance is that Christians are too covetous. That's one major problem. That is, the things attached to Christ is so important to them. Christ is not all. Christ alone is not satisfying. You want to hear the truth? You will not be blessed until Christ alone is satisfying to you. No matter what you have outwardly, you are not blessed until Jesus alone is satisfying to you. He came to Peter and said, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than the ministry? Do you know it's important? Or or do you even know it's, it's, it's it's a very reasonable concept? I've seen people, I'm sorry, you know, sometimes you've been around for so long, Sometimes I look at some preachers sometimes I say, you don't love Jesus more than this ministry. That is why to build ministries, you see preachers lying, telling lies. Why would you think about it? Why would you as a preacher fake miracles so that people can come? You know what? You don't love Jesus. You actually don't. Why would you tell lies to raise money when he's the way, the truth and the life. Truth is important to him. Truth is crucial to Jesus Christ. Truth is crucial to Jesus. You cannot use a lie to promote the truth. Many people don't love, they love ministry more than they love Jesus. That's what I was telling you about Jim Baker, who was not reading his Bible while he was preaching. Yeah, he was not reading his Bible, but he was preaching. It was when he was in prison, he started understanding the Bible. And he's a Bible school graduate. In his days, I heard this man preach, Rabbi Zacharias. He was quoting somebody. A teacher in a Bible class, in the Bible school, in a class in the Bible school. And he said, how many of you here don't believe in God? 
You see what I said? You're at the Bible school. And you're asking, is anybody here doesn't believe in God? And one or two hands went up. So what are you doing here? He said, there's big box in the God racket. Did you hear that? Many of the preachers going around town, they don't believe. Now, so, some people say they believe in God. But they don't believe in the truth. I encounter them all the time. There are some I think of them. I don't want to shake their hands. Because they lie too much. There have been times I'm sitting there, somebody is preaching. I'm telling my wife, that guy is telling lies. And you can see him cooking up the lies. You, know, you can almost see his head boiling, mixing, and you know, the cauldron of lies. Just say, okay, what do we tell them to make them bring money? They don't love Jesus. There are many people that the reason why God is not giving you what you're asking for is I want you to know, do you love me? Our energy that he gave us is, is meant for what? To seek him. To want to have a personal relationship with him. Everything that comes out of our lives as Christians must be an outflow of a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be something that comes out of us naturally because we are relating with him. Let me give you a small personal testimony. Do you know I don't know how to prepare sermon? You know, they prepare a sermon. I, I tried it those early days. It didn't used to work. I'm telling you, it just comes out of my first personal it's personal to me. It's, as I tell stories, it's what I, you know, what I have come to personally believe and understand. That's what overflows in what I say. I'll never tell you something that I don't believe. Where will I get it from? When people download their sermons, sermon outlines, and come and use it in church, I wonder how did they manage. I can't down. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just wonder how you manage, because ministry is what you are personally convinced of. It's not a. It's not an arrangement. Jesus said, do you love me more than this? So the energy he gave us is what? For pursuing a personal knowledge of him. Please, I need to emphasize, we're talking about kingdom, abundance of God that he gives to us. But I'm emphasizing again that it is a result of what? Walking in the kingdom. The abundance is in the garden. There's no garden principle to use outside. Did you hear what I said? See, this is how life is. If you're in the garden, he has his own principles. If you're outside the garden, it has its own principles. What we have been doing, now listen to me to the sin of the church in modern times, is going outside, bringing the principles outside the garden, we bring it into the garden. Sin number one. Jesus said, <laughs> when the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah. He said, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me the spring of fountain of living water. That's number one. Number two sin, they have gone to him for themselves. Systems that can hold no water. Two sins. So what happened to us? We went outside, collected the systems that can hold no water. And brought it in to replace the fountain of living water. Our number two sin is that we now ask the God of the garden to come out and dig outside the garden for us. What do I mean by that? You see churches these days, we collect principles of the world and bring it to church on Sunday to help Christians establish themselves in prosperity. And it's the same thing the world... Now, there are some principles of life. I hope I get my point. Yeah, it's a different matter. But I'm talking about how the world does things. I've seen people preach to Christians... And I'm wondering, what are you seeing? Taking the how to promote your career, 
And it's the same thing that you teach everywhere. That's what the worldly people are using. And you think that's how they are getting results. Do they get results? Yes. They are cursed. The land is cursed for them, but they get results on it. People of God don't bring it into the kingdom. Number two, you can't tell the God of the garden to come out in competition with the world, with you. That is, God, let's go and show them. And God said, where are we going? He said, we'll go outside the garden. We are going there to dig. God said, no, in the kingdom. I'll give one of the things that happen in the kingdom. All right? Because, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to speak for too long. I really want to close now. Okay? We'll be back next time, right? So no need to preach everything today. Even though, you know, I'm trying. The thing is like this in my throat. But I want to do what Paul said, the spirit of the prophet. So let me calm it down. Let me just, I'm trying to just summarize. Let's end to this one here. All right? Notice there's one particular principle of the garden I want you to bear in mind. In the garden, your effort is put in prayer. Effort is put into making requests of God. Effort is put into learning his ways. Prayer is number one. What does the prayer do? Like, okay, if you were around yesterday when we were studying this prayer, personal prayer, petition and supplication. We didn't finish it, but along the line, we had the script. We talked about what are the things you're supposed to ask for. We discussed bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. We said, what is the Christian's bread? Like my wife said, it's every provision you need in life. But we all focused on one thing, which is what? Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. He said, don't labor for the bread that does what? That perishes. So there is bread that doesn't perish. So when we are praying, give us our daily bread. It is the one that doesn't perish that's our primary concern. So in the garden, we are praying for that bread. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Every other thing will be added. We know if we follow what he's saying, he will add other things. I have found out, as a matter of fact, there is no way for the Christian to strategize his way into prosperity. There is no way. I have found that thing out. That there is no way for the Christian to strategize his way into prosperity. There is no way. Sometimes, at least I have that personal experience, I many people do, where you put most of your energy, all right? Doesn't give you much materially. But don't mistakenly stop. The world will tell you Pareto principle. 80% of your something comes from 20%. But this is what they now do. Restructuring people. If you read this man's book, I think it's a very stupid idea, but he did it and people are following it. Um, um, Straight from the gods. I think so, with Jack Welch. Was it Jack Welch? Or Lee Ayakuka? Who was head of GE, General Electric at the time? I think it was Jack Welch. Was Jack Welch that said it? He said, "Ah, no, 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 no." His own principle is that when he took over as the head of GE, he had one duty, whether first or second; otherwise, we are out. So he sold off a lot of their subsidiaries, a lot of their businesses, because they either had to be first or second. I thought about it later. I said, "No, not necessarily." He was marking efficiency materially. As Christians, we understand. There's what they call the priestly corner of life. They are the sabbatical things we do in life. There are things you will do as Christians that don't produce anything for you materially. But God said, keep doing it. You know why? What you are getting in life, he said, from God comes your reward of the inheritance. For, the, for those in the kingdom, anything you get is a gift of God. So, don't say, I work so hard and I don't get paid enough. God said, don't worry. There will be a place where you work not at all. 
but you get paid everything. Say amen to that. Amen. That's the principle of your life. And many Christians have failed in one area because God gives us tests. He proves us faithful. Because they don't understand this principle. You know what they do? They abandon the place where their exam is. So they fail permanently in life. Did you hear what I said? God keeps you in position A. He said, that is where I'm going to test you. Now your friends tell you, you are not making any money there. Move to position B. God said, no, you don't understand. Where your life will get to, it will be a gift that I'm going to give to you. But because you left position A, anytime I look at your report card, you know what happens? You have failed. Every time I look at your report card, I discover you have failed. In fact, you didn't even take the exam. You never took the exam. So we want to qualify for the next promotion in life. You have nothing. Why? Because the world told you, whatever you are putting your energy, you have something to show for it. That's not the principle of the garden. I hope you're getting my point. In the garden, you see, you know, you want anything? You know what God said? Ask. And later on, please remind me. Oh, well. Nobody, when I say remind me, nobody ever does. So I'm not even going to ask you to remind me of anything again. So, uh, Banky, remember that you said, <laughs> I'll remind myself. And I have to be reminding myself of things. Okay? Anyway. See, this is how it works in the, in, in the kingdom. God proves you faithful to qualify you for the next assignment. Everything in life for us is an assignment. Don't forget that. Everything is what? An assignment. What we call wealth in life for us is not personal riches. It's an assignment. So you can have a company valued at about a billion dollars. It doesn't mean you are richer than a person who works for federal government. He's a, he's, a, he's a manager in one big institution or whatever. Okay? You know what it just means? It doesn't have your assignment. Let me end with this. Do you know this job I'm doing here? Preaching. Do you know I will never exchange it for the one that Angote is doing? I, no, I won't exchange it. I won't. If you are called to ministry, if you have been called to preach, let me tell you something. You won't know the problem in it because you are doing it. If you are not preaching and teaching, damn, you know what I need to do? Carry somewhere where you can't pre- But I'll be giving you like $20,000 every month oh, as salary with one condition, no preaching. At the end of six months, you will say, okay, i take your money. Even the one you gave me last year, collect it back. You will know what Jeremiah meant when he said, the word becomes like what? Fire. Shut up in your bones. You know the truth? It's not only preachers. It is not only preachers. For us, believers, everything is what? An assignment. If you recognize that, ah, please, let me just say this and I close with it. It's important you recognize that. Because many people, what is holding them back is that God said they don't get the point. If I give this guy what I really want to give him, he starts feeling like a rich man. He won't feel like a responsible servant anymore. He will start feeling like a made man. So I have to first teach him until he sees whatever position I put him or her in as a new level of responsibility. Then I can promote him or her to be anything. And when he comes to church, he sees it at the back as usual. Not that person now knows I have made money. You know, you know, you know churches do that. They promote rich people and put them in front. That church is not the kingdom church. If your church is like that, pray for them for a while. If they don't change, tell pastor, I'm going. This is not the kingdom church. Why? Every time people get richer, they go to the front. Like I said, I don't want to speak for long. You know, I've been telling you, let me say this and I close here. Now I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. And you know what I want to say and I'm going to close? Let's bow our heads and give the Lord thanks. Ah! I got you there.
I hope you learned something today. Just give a lot of thanks. Say, Lord, thank you for instructing me in righteousness. Make a request. Say, Lord, help me to understand that everything is an assignment and that I'm a servant of God. Just ask the Lord for that. Say, Lord, help me to understand that everything is an assignment and I am a servant of God.